World Central Kitchen is serving thousands of fresh meals to Ukrainian families fleeing home, as well as people remaining in the country. This week on Let's Talk About Food, host Louisa Kasdan spoke with Henry Patterson about his upcoming relief trip. So you're going to Poland, and I think you told me you're going to be there for at least two weeks. I'm going to Poland to help feed Ukrainian refugees. With Jose Andreas's World Central Kitchen, I decided that's what I wanted to do for my 70th birthday. I leave in just a few days. We all see that what the Russians are doing is contemptible. As a food person, we all love to help. It's in our DNA. And here are people who really need our help. So if you want to help the Ukrainian refugees, either with money or even your hands and heart, find hashtag Chefs for Ukraine and World Central Kitchen. We have to do something. We can help. Remember, hashtag Chefs for Ukraine. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a podcast about absolute bullshit with me, your host, <laughs> a portrait of Dorian Gray. Um, and me, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with that one. Dorian, <laughs> the owner of Dorian's Bar, it's a bar below our producer. What is he? The sound engineer? What's your job, Armin? <laughs> yeah, second one, second one. Producer slash sound engineer slash PR person, Armin, has a bar downstairs, Dorian's, and I own it. And Nicole's the owner, and that's who she is today. Now, folks, right before the show, Armin, I like to call him our producer because he reminds me of Mel Brooks. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a fact? Yes, mm-hmm. it's a fact. It's according to the Lord, you are Mel Brooks. Adjacent. Well, it's an opinion, actually. It's an opinion. <laughs> okay, let's get serious here, because this okay. is serious business, folks. So before okay. the show, Armin was confiding in me a secret that he lives <laughs> above Dorian's bar on the Upper East Side, and to which I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. And secondly, have you ever heard of the Preppy Murders, which originated the beginning of the evening, started at Dorian's, it used to be called Dorian's Red Hand, and Armin had never heard of them, so now he realizes that he's being haunted, and we're all very scared. I didn't know that that's where the the bar that that was from. Um, exactly. But yeah, that's interesting. It's also yesterday I was watching another a murder documentary about this Ooh. guy who more than likely shoved his wife off a cliff. Um, and they stayed at the Stanley, and the person I was watching it with, I was like, "That's the Shining Hotel," and they were like, "What?" And I was like. Yeah, everyone knows that it's based on the Stanley in Colorado, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I hope yeah. any any good movie they buff would know. film it there, but it's based on that motel. Right. Now, Nicole, I want to go back to something you were just saying about men pushing their wives off of cliffs. Now, yes. <clears throat> this is unfair for multiple reasons. First and foremost, the poor wife who's pushed off a cliff to a grisly death. But I mean, she most- could deserve to die. That's true. But mostly I feel bad for people who are accidentally, who are taking a walk with their spouse or friend and accidentally this person slips off a cliff. And these people are probably wrongfully accused because the murderers are ruining it for everyone. You know, it also people don't talk about enough is just the innocent people who stumble across all these dead bodies. They're always like, I was out for a jog and I found this dead body. Also, that reminds me of a reductress article or like headline that I think is really funny. And it's like, woman relieved that she can stop jogging because she found dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to get you to stop your jog. Am I right? Um, There's like some terrible case where that happened and like a 13-year-old kid found a body. He thought it was a mannequin on his way to school. And then cool. they eventually convict, they convicted him of the crime, even though it was like so clear that it was done by someone with like a surgical background. They're like, no, a you did it. A 13-year-old found- boy? Mm-hmm. I can't remember God. what his name was, but... He spent decades in prison for it. And they're like, no, it was definitely you because you you found the body and because you have these, like, you know, dark thoughts scribbled in your notebook. So you did it. And they're like, they're like dude, you listen to Metallica. You are a murderer. <laughs> um, Mark of the Beast. Yeah. Wait, what was I going to say? I 
had a, I had a thought, but I can't remember. But um, was it about Ben Affleck? Well, I do have some things to tell you about Ben Affleck. But first, um, he died. He got pushed since, off a cliff. <laughs> since you, oh, what I was going to say is in this documentary. So basically, if you if you commit a crime in a national park, they have their own fucking force called the ISB. Um, but these people don't actually have to have any background in law enforcement to get on this team. And there's only 34 of them for the entire national park system. (laughs) Not that I necessarily think that law enforcement training is in any way good or beneficial, uh, but it's just really interesting that the way that you get this job for the most part is you just work your way up from being a park ranger. So unbelievable. Interesting information. Very interesting. Um, There's a podcast that I kind of like that's called um, Park Predators. And it's all about (laughs) crimes that have been committed in national parks. It's very interesting for the outdoorsmen and the non-outdoorsmen alike. Yeah, this um, was a documentary on Hulu. It's like an NBC documentary, so it's not like so great. But um, you probably heard about this guy. He pushed his wife off a cliff and also pushed his first wife like off of a ledge of some kind. <laughs> I did. I, I listened to that. And you know where I heard the story of it first on park predators. <laughs> yeah. My favorite good. episode of park predators. I, I love alliteration as much as the next guy. Oh, but what I was going to say is um, since you asked, I have been doing great. And I went to go play bingo at the moose lodge last night. Oh, what a dream. Tell us more, please. So I was told that there would be alcohol there. But when we arrived, they're like, oh, no. They do serve alcohol at the Moose Lodge, but not on bingo night, apparently, because things get too crazy. Oh, my God. So this is bingo for money. So it's a form of gambling. Um, And I had never played bingo like this before. I've obviously played bingo before. I've been to lots of fun, like drag bingos in Brooklyn and my mom for whatever reason bought my sister and I an actual like bingo set with like the rolling ball and like the cards so I played bingo when I was a kid like a really cool kid that I was um baby bingo so the bingo here which some of you know if you've played like this sort of gambling bingo there's all kinds of there's so it's not just a straight line there can be clusters which is like four collections of four there can be four corners and so every game is assigned. So you basically buy a booklet and each booklet has, you know, four, like eight boards that you can play on, that you're playing sure. on at the same time. And they're color coded. And then you're handed a list of each game that you're going to play. So for example, the first page is blue and there were three different bingo games that we played on that blue card. And then we throw it in the trash and then we play for the next one, which is orange. So anyway, it's really complicated, and there's all kinds of other shit going on. People are selling pull tabs tableside. People are yelling over the intercom about their chicken nuggets being ready in the commissary. People, Please tell me you got chicken nuggets. No, because we ate before we got there because we didn't realize (sighs) that they were going to be. Also, I saw them. They didn't look very good. Um, Yeah. And then people are also playing, like, other games during the bingo where you can get extra money. Um, It's chaos. So I can understand why they don't want alcohol there. Um, It was really busy. There were lots of people there. Um, You probably got COVID there, but was it worth it? Yes. I was like, the number of people that are vaccinated in this room is probably me and my four (laughs) friends that came here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, it was very exciting. And also I woke up this morning to find out a very Indiana set of laws have been vetoed and passed so there's been this law going around here that they want to prevent trans females from playing sports in high school and yes of course the worst threat to sports as any good yes neocon or neoliberal knows the the biggest threat to our country and world is trans women excelling at sports Mm -hmm. yes very 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 scary so it, it actually had a lot of protests and people were obviously trying to not let that happen. It looked like it actually was going to pass, but the governor vetoed it. However, on the same day that he vetoed that law, he went forward with a law that gets rid of the need to have a permit to carry a handgun in Indiana. So now 
You wow. don't have to have a permit to carry a handgun here. So that's cool. Well, they'll take care of all, you know, all the other problems now that it's so much easier to just carry a gun, right? Am I right, fellow pieces of shit? <laughs> also, kidding. at the fucking <laughs> bingo game, they were ra- there was a raffle for all kinds of prizes, one of which was a handgun. <laughs> Did you, please tell me you won it. No, I don't, want been waiting. I don't want a handgun. You have been telling me how much you want a handgun ever since we met. <laughs> yes. Um, well, now I don't even, because I was like, how can they raffle off a handgun? Don't you have to have a permit? And yesterday you did, but today you don't. So wow, <laughs> I guess it was a good day to go pick up day. the handgun. Um, <laughs> so fucking, Wow. We yeah. live, you know, people say this all the time, like, oh, we're living in end times. But actually, I we are. We are mm-hmm. actually living in end times. And it's a yeah. good thing that you've gotten to play bingo before the end actually arrives. I was actually thinking that today. I was like, well, I've had one more life experience that I never had before. Um, yeah, exactly. What's next? I mean, bowling? Have I'm, you ever done that? Oh, yeah. I go bowling. What um, about mini the bowling? The most popular bowling alley in Indiana amongst my co- friends and coworkers is Beach Grove Bowl, my hometown bowling alley, because it's open 24 hours Oh, that's sick. You know what we used to do when I was a kid? There was a place that did disco bowling. Yep. And this was when I was a kid and when I was growing up. It was in the late 1800s before (laughs) disco was even invented. So it was all very exciting. It's the little talked about actual start of disco. Yes, in the 1870s. (laughs) They tried it on. It didn't catch on. They were like, woo, we have to have a lot of fainting couches in this disco hall. (laughs) Nicole, I wanted to bring up something quickly before we jump into talking about Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. um, which is that I had a conversation with the folks at my local wine shop, Brooklyn Wine Exchange, the other day, uh, a lovely woman named Kara, to be and specific. She was like, you are an alcoholic. She's like, I need, um, I'm calling the police. We are out of wine. Because of you. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of wine. You drank all the wine here and we can't get any more. Um, no, no. After we had the conversation about me having an alcohol problem, we started talking about, and I don't remember why, but like hot pockets. And oh, yeah, then sure. I was I telling them been we had, in the air recently. I hope. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> just people. Armin is just saying he's not feeling well. He probably breathed in a hot pocket. Oh, he probably bit into one right out of the microwave and burned his whole mouth off. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we were chatting and, and I was like, I did an episode on hot pockets and allegedly they're a fucking sandwich, which bothers me because I don't view it as a sandwich. And then we started having conversation about other things that may or may not be sandwiches, which I would like to bring to your attention and get your opinion quickly. Number one, a hot dog sandwich or not. Uh, what is the definition of a sandwich? Because That's not, what I'm fucking saying. It's not two pieces of bread. It's one piece of bread. Right. That's a good point. Now, mm-hmm. but is a sandwich, if you have one piece of bread and you just fold it over and you're making a cookie sandwich, that's still a sandwich. But a hot dog, to me, is not a sandwich. And to be honest, neither is a hamburger. And I fucking don't like when at Henry Public how it says hamburger sandwich. That's confusing to me. But they used to call them hamburger sandwiches back in the olden times. That's why they have it on the menu, because they're obsessed with nostalgia. No, I know. They're like, believe it or not, you're actually in the in Prohibition era. Yeah. <laughs> You've stepped into a time machine. Look how look at our suspenders. And that's why um, we insist on having live music in the world's smallest dining room. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, like, what about a quesadilla? Sandwich? Well, I would say that, to me, could be a sandwich because two separate slices of bread. Like a taco, not a sandwich. Not, there's no two separate slices of bread. Is yeah. a double-decker taco a sandwich? That's a good question. I don't really know. I know. That's a it's tricky a great gray area. <laughs> it's a very tricky area. Is a contract supreme a sandwich? Yes. What about like a fucking corn dog? That's not a sandwich. It's on a stick. Can what about if you put a stick through like a, there is a stick in a sandwich in a club sandwich? There's sticks in that. But you don't. It's just a smaller st- stick. No, the stick is just holding the sandwich together, though. Okay, now let me ask you a question. What if you put a peanut butter and jelly on a stick? Would it still be a sandwich? This is a question with no, it's a riddle with no answer. And How it, are you going to get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on a stick? You can't do it. Well, it's sticky. You can stick it on there. No. This is just absurdity. Okay. I need you to focus on the real situation at hand. Which is okay, the real know. situation we don't is, know is, is a sandwich. <laughs> we, don't, we, folks, 
I hate to break it to all of us listening, but none of us know what a sandwich is. And that is actually, aside from trans women in sports, the biggest <laughs> problem facing our nation. And also because a po' boy is one slice of bread and that is a sandwich to me. A hundred percent. But is a folded over slice of pizza a sandwich if you fill it with ranch dressing and some salad? Yeah. Mm, that kind of a good. sandwich. I know that is, that's the best way to eat a slice of pizza. I had a really terrible pizza last week and I'm really sad about it. Was it at the Moose Lodge? No, I went, there's a restaurant nearby here that I had gone to once before on a date and we had an, a decent experience. And I was like, this place is fine for me to go have dinner by myself. Cause there's not a lot open on my days off, which are Monday and Tuesday sometimes. I think this was a Monday. Monday's like the worst day because restaurants are closed. Um, and so I went there and the, the, I got a Caesar salad, which was very sad. And then I got a pizza. So there is like a wood fired pizza. And like the dough was, the texture was perfectly good, but it like wasn't seasoned. So it was like the most bland oh. dough. And they have really, really thick pieces of pepperoni, which I hate. And I believe that everyone hates. Um, yeah, it should <laughs> be illegal. I'm just like, why? Everything about this pizza is a horror to me. But I also decided to get a salad on top. Like, there's, They're like, if you make it Sadie style or somebody's woman's name style, you can get dressed arugula on top. And I'm like, well, I do love arugula on top of a pizza. So I added the arugula. It didn't help. And there was so much arugula on it that you couldn't even <laughs> pick up a slice. I like sprayed arugula all over the entire restaurant trying to eat this pizza. And it was so not enjoyable and the sitting at the bar by myself was not enjoyable because the bartender was serving the whole restaurant so it was just like a bad experience overall and I haven't gotten over it and I don't know if I ever will I'm so sorry for you I'm going to tell you one quick sad story is that (laughs) this morning I went to go get my car inspected Mm -hmm. and they said they couldn't take it they're like you have to come back another time and I started I got back in the car and started hysterically crying. It made me so sad. And I was like, why am I crying about this? Like, and I was like, oh, right. You're, you're being, you, you're on your edge of sanity. You're at your breaking point of like having to do things. And I'm like, I was just like, stop crying, stop crying. And I'm like, I'm getting more and more hysterical. Cause I had just been like, I just need this one thing to work. And I'm like, I do everything alone. I do everything alone. Why <laughs> and I was like, get it together, Tangora. There's people all over the world suffering oh in such serious ways. This is not a problem. It's fine. Well, I think that they could have just been like, we'll take the car, you sad, sad lonely I know. woman. I was like, you dumb fucking assholes. What's the problem? I just drove all the way down here. You can't just leave it parked on. I was like, I'll park it on the street. They're like, get out of here. They're like, ma'am, so, please leave. They're, they're like, like you're crying. You have an please, leave. please stop stealing all of our wine. <laughs> <laughs> they're like there's too many wine bottles in the fucking backseat of your car when you open take. the door 30 wine bottles fell out and so there's no parking spots now <laughs> anyway that's my pathetic nightmarish story well, for the I'm day sorry but who among us hasn't just sat down and cried for the smallest smallest thing that goes wrong in your life is just like the breaking point and you have to weep I'm at my um, point break. Somebody call Patrick Swayze. Speaking of people who don't have to do everything alone, I think it's time for our Ben and Jen update. Let's hear Are it. you ready? <laughs> also, yes. I'm sure we thought of this before, but maybe not. Is that their initials together are BJ. Uh-oh. So from now on, I'm just going to start referring to them as Beach. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I wish you would. So Beach. <laughs> BJ purchased a home. Presumably, they are going to live in it together, but we don't know. Um, It costs $50 million American dollars, but in case you're wondering, that's 37 million pounds. Um, The house weighs 37 million pounds? No, um, an article, when I was looking this up, there were like three articles in a row. They're like, $50 million house. And then it was like, $37 million house. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, it's pounds. Um, in pounds yeah it has not one not two but 17 bathrooms <laughs> wow that's amazing they can shit in a different toilet every single day of the week for two weeks plus three more days <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's better math um 
And they're living in Bel Air, the home of the Fresh Prince. So that's really the only update that I have for you guys. But I just wanted you to know about it. The beach. They're that's having, amazing. They're moving in together. Things are heating up. It's getting serious. I just like deeply do. And this is not just because my hatred of rich people, but like truly don't understand why someone would need to live in a house that big. Like to me, no matter how much money I ever had, I would never be like, more and more house. Like there's just, I like the feeling of coziness to a certain, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, not as necessarily as cozy as I could probably expand beyond my apartment someday, but I'm just saying like a house like that. What's the point? I mean, my house is too big even for me, my three bedroom mansion. I Yeah, you do live in a mansion. It's not quite insurmountably big because I only have one bathroom, but it's like weird to think about living in a house where like, if you didn't know what room the other person was in, you wouldn't find them for months. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like, which toilet did you shit in last week? They're like the one, you know, to make two lefts and a right, go down this, you have to give them directions, they're lost. It's ridiculous. I was in the pool house bathroom. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I like to think this is just because she has like a poop phobia and she's like, I need a house where like this man will never know that I poop. There have to be at least 16 bathrooms in between me and the man that I am sleeping with pooping. Um, I don't know what she's going to do when they become infirm and they have to poop all over each other, but whatever. <laughs> right around the corner because they're in their 50s and they don't have long left on this earth. You know what? They could be into poop. We're just like assuming they're not. They could be into like scat play for all the help for all we know. I guess then they're like, you know what we need is 17 different places where you can tidally <laughs> have sex that involves poop. <gasps> <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry that we continue to like talk about Ben Affleck all this time. Listener. Or the, one not, listener. not the fact that we started talking about them poop playing, but just that we mention them at all. <laughs> it's so it must be so confusing. God forbid somebody ever tunes into this podcast as a new listener and they're like, "What's happening? I thought I was I thought this was about the portrait of Dorian Gray and like food history. But now they're <laughs> talking about Ben Affleck and his anus." <laughs> yeah, well, here's something that will confuse them even more. Um, yes. We decided to use to spring as our topic this day <laughs> this week. Um, and I, Zara, I have a surprise for you. I'm, I did not do spring rolls. Oh my God. What did you do? I did daylight savings time. The other (sighs) most important issue facing us today. Oh my God. I cannot wait for this. I hate daylight savings time. Well, do you like it? Are you for it or against it? No, I'm not for it. I'm from the state that didn't even have it until 2006. So you're, you're deeply against it. Yes. Um, so, okay. Daylight savings time. Are you ready? I'm, I've never been more ready, although I fear that I might be late or early for this episode. <laughs> um, okay. First of all, I, in my research, I came across something that's not, not 100% related, but I found really interesting, is that they didn't have time zones in the United States until 1883, because it took so long to travel from one place to another that it didn't matter if there would, you know what I mean? Like it would be like, take you like two days to get across the, you know, to four miles or whatever. Sure. sure. Um, So, but when the railroads got invented, you could travel much faster and then it made train schedules super confusing. So really the only reason we have time zones in the United States of America is because of the railroads. Um, if we didn't have the railroads, we would still not have time zones. Really? Wait well, a minute. So it would just be the same time everywhere? Yeah. I like guess assuming we didn't have railroads and also assuming that no other speed technology were, was <laughs> developed for traveling, <laughs> we would not have a time zone. Um, yes. And when we were talking about the savings time at work the other day and my boss was like, we should just make it the same time all over the entire world. And we were like, Okay, buddy. And then I was like, we can't do that because then we could never say it's five o'clock somewhere because it wouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. Genius. Um, So this is something that I literally did not know is that daylight savings time just refers to when you set the clock ahead. It's not the entire process of setting it back in the fall. So like, Daylight savings time is literally just referring to when we spring forward. 
I wish that the audience could see your hand motions because you just did an adorable little bunny springing little bunny. motion. I'm springing forward, a hippity hop. Um, so cute. <laughs> so did you know that, though? Of course I didn't. Okay, great. I don't know I, anything about daylight savings time well, except you know, for that I As someone who was raised in a foreign state where we didn't observe this my whole life, I feel like there's some stuff that you would know that I would not know. <laughs> um, no. Okay. Um, and so anyway, this is important because when I refer to daylight savings time going forward, we're going to be talking about like that springing ahead process, but I'll try to clarify it and okay. make it not too confusing. Please do. For those of you tuning in to hear us read aloud from the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So in 1895, you know, we had just established time zones. Everyone was freaking out, but daylight savings time did not exist. Um, a man named George Hudson was an entomologist and he was like, you guys, we should set the clock forward in the springtime so that we have more time to collect bugs in the summer after work, more daylight time. Of course, of course, of course. I don't know why in every history of daylight savings time, this guy is mentioned. I don't, I think he just casually said this to one of his friends. Like he never, (laughs) like this never happened. It was just like, this is the first guy who thought of this. I'm like, okay, I don't. (laughs) Just one poor random nerdy bug collector. (laughs) Yeah. And also like this didn't, it didn't, they didn't do anything because he said that he wasn't like an important entomologist. It's just like some random dude. Um, however, fast forward to 1916, Germany adopted daylight savings time during world war one to save fuel. They called it wartime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then in 1918, uh, the U.S. was like, Germany totally blows, but this wartime is kind of a good idea. So we're going to do it, too. So they did wartime, air quotes, um, for the year from until World War One was over. And then they went back to it again during World War Two from 1945 to 1947. So what this means is they set the clocks forward an hour, but then kept it like that for two years. They didn't like fall back. That makes sense. Right. So just kept, we just kept going further and further into the future. Into the future. Yes. As Seal would have said. Yes. But there were luckily still time zones tethering us to reality. Thank the Lord. Because <laughs> if we had just done this without time zones, I don't even know if the United States would have survived. I'm okay. like not even sure what we're talking about. Like you're explaining it very clearly. It's not your fault. <laughs> I just like cannot wrap my brain around any of this. So, so like this is really interesting to me because as I was doing my research, I was like, I don't think I understand what daylight savings time is anymore. <laughs> I, was like, I think that I feel like I've lost my connection with it. Like I've it's become meaningless, which is true because time isn't real. It's a flat circle, as we learned right. in detective. Um, but let's continue as though it is real. Okay, great. Um, because in 1966, something called the Uniform Time Act was, you know, enacted. (laughs) And basically they're like saying that's when they were like at 2 a.m. in October, 2 a.m. in March, we switched the times. However, states were able to exempt themselves from it this act as long as the entire state went along with it however indiana must have exempted itself at some point because it was never daylight savings time here when i was a kid but there are certain counties in northern indiana which are basically kind of like commuter towns for chicago they just happen Uh to be in indiana that stayed with daylight savings time because they people who lived there majorly worked in chicago so they it would just be too confusing for them to like drive home for 30 minutes and then be in a different time zone or to time, sure. whatever. Um, time, 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 um, which is, I mean, whatever, that's fine. But so I don't know how Indiana got out of the rule that the entire state has to go along with it. We did it. Um, but in 2006 we caved and we went to regular old daylight savings time. The only two holdouts are Arizona and Hawaii. So it wow, sort of makes sense move to me. There. Well, it makes sense to me that Hawaii would do it because you can't just like drive across Hawaii state lines and be like, oh no, what time is it? 
But in Arizona, right. you can, which is wild. How funky there's is also, your chicken? <laughs> not that funky. Um, <laughs> I Also, there's a whole episode of the West Wing, the now much maligned West Wing. Um, how do you say all West Wings are bastards? ah wah wah um but there's a whole episode where they some like they have to go to indiana for some reason and then they get stuck there because they didn't know they don't have daylight savings time there like as if people traveling on government business from the white house wouldn't have like some time zone secretary like purely dedicated to like letting them know this information they're like right we missed our flight because we didn't know that they don't change the time in indiana and they get like stuck walking around indiana and there's a bunch of like farm jokes whatever anyway oh it sounds to me like aaron sorkin is working for big daylight savings time (laughs) and i feel like you know we're not just dumb hayseed farmers here in indiana okay what we are is gun nuts okay (laughs) gun nuts who like an extra hour of darkness in the morning and in the evening when they're collecting bugs because they like to collect bugs in the dark especially lightning bugs isn't Um, that right nicole yes that's the only kind of bug that i would like to collect because i don't what other bug do you want to collect i mean what's the point of collecting a bug that is not glowing well this guy's an entomologist i think it's like his whole thing is like bugs 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 love them all imagine imagine (laughs) oh my god being married to an entomologist how's your day oh well the cockroach let me tell you and the spider i know it's funny to think about like okay in 1895 george hudson entomologist just had to wear like 1895 clothes but now if you marry an entomologist he probably has one of those annoying graphic t-shirts with bugs on it right or a cool graphic t-shirt with bugs on it that glows in the dark oh that would be cool all right I'll, i'll allow it um, but what time will it start glowing? We don't know because daylight savings time is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And that is the greatest problem facing our nation. Okay. So in 1973, the United States enacted year-round daylight savings, which again means they just sprung forward. They didn't fall back because of the oil embargo. And they thought it would save energy. Um, but it only lasted for 10 months because people got really mad that it was so dark in the morning and all the little kids going to school didn't want to go to school in the dark. Well, um, like, how long was it staying dark <clears throat> till, till, like, 10 a.m.? Well, no, kids had to go to school. Like, we had to be at school at 7.58. So we, I had to get up at 6.30-ish to get to school on time. It would still be dark I in the morning. I guess that's true. Um, and my little brother, or my nephew, has to be at school at, like, 7.30 right now. So I took him to the bus, like, a couple months ago and it was black as night out and it was like 6 a.m um thanks obama so so and also the whole thing about like energy being saved is sort of debatable like yes you do sort of save energy but the extra daylight means more air conditioning is being used in the summer so it's not really that helpful um the other myth that i 100 percent believed Although I had a big, like, not a fight, but I was, like, talking to my coworkers the other day. And I'm like, why do we do daylight savings time? And they're like, because of the farmers. And I'm like, but we are, like, an agriculture state, and we didn't do it. So, like, the farmers thing doesn't really seem to add up. And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, bye. Um, So the truth is is it has literally nothing to do with farmers. Farmers have been opposed to daylight savings time since the year 1919 when they actually like got together and lobbied against it nobody really knows yeah nobody really knows why they blame farmers for this because it actually fucks up their whole schedule so basically you have to get up and milk the cow at 5 a.m but if it's not 5 a.m anymore the cow doesn't know that but the guy who comes and collects your milk does know that so he's going to come an hour later it's just like it's really stupid um also yeah, that's really interesting because they are we i have also been fed the anti-farmer propaganda when it <laughs> comes to daylight savings time and been told but farmers are in fact the greatest problem facing our nation when in fact it's really cows well the greatest problem facing our nation is the corporatization of farming um but that is true that actually is the greatest problem <laughs> 
But yes, cows are also a huge problem because they fucking fart too much. Um, <clears throat> get it together, cows. Um, so yeah, farmers, we can't blame them. It's not their fault. Um, but because farmers are completely not involved, I really don't have a food link to this. So I decided to literally out of desperation, Google daylight savings time recipes. And <laughs> of course, because of the world that we live in, there are like a million articles because people will just put daylight savings time into the article title during daylight savings so that people will click on it. So what the hell? So listeners, listen to these desperate attempts for people to mention daylight savings time in the same sentence as recipe. It is hilarious. Um, Savior has an article that was like, you know, what to cook during daylight savings time, literally. And this is what, this is how they're really trying to make it all work. They're like, after you figure out how to reset all of your clocks, as if that takes such a long time. <laughs> after you, you wipe the sweat off your brow from resetting all your clocks all morning long. You don't have time to make a long dinner. So you just need to toss a salad or make a sandwich. Which, Do you mean toss a salad, like eat somebody's ass or make a, like a salad out of green leafy vegetables? You know the answer to that. Okay, so <laughs> food and wine has nine quick brunch recipes to compensate for daylight savings time. <laughs> Great, let's hear it. I'm not going to give you the recipes. I'm just reading you oh. the pathetic attempts to include the word daylight savings time in a recipe article. Um, Refinery29, famous food website. Five... <laughs> Easy weeknight meals to make with that extra hour of sunlight. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, no. Cool mom eats five easy dinners that pair well with daylight savings time. She just like, this pairs well with daylight savings time. <laughs> She's not even trying. For some reason, everyone's like, daylight savings time is coming. You better have a quick dinner in mind because <laughs> you are running out of time <laughs> in the day. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wow, um, dude. And then Country Living says, Avoid the dreaded daylight savings energy lag with this delicious trick. And I did look up the recipe for this. So the delicious trick that Country Living wants you to use to avoid the dreaded daylight savings energy lag is morning energy mocha balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will say that without a mocha ball, my day is usually complete shit. Yeah, just shove one of the, one or two of those mocha balls right into pop them right into your mouth, keep them mm-hmm. in your cheeks like a chipmunk, and yeah. when you're ready, just you nibble or suck off a little bit of it as you go along. Yeah, that's the only way that I can avoid the dreaded daylight savings energy lag as well. I need a mocha energy ball of some kind, um, and <laughs> I'm a mocha sorry. exercise ball. <laughs> I am so tired, you guys. Do you mind if we just like pull over quick so I can uh, get a mocha ball, <laughs> mocha energy ball? Yeah. Also, I like that it's like nine quick brunch recipes. Like, okay, so it's brunch, but even though it's daylight savings time, which happens on a Sunday, so the weekend is over, um, you still need really, really fast brunch recipes just because it's daylight savings. It's just (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) Well, you know, I like to celebrate daylight savings and take off the whole week. So if you're like me, which I'm assuming you are, you're basically, and, and also you know how much I love brunch. I'm having brunch every day that week. It's vacation, baby. Make me a stuffed French toast to go. Yeah. Well, you better make sure you have plenty of mocha balls. You have energy to make your stuffed French toast. (laughs) Mocha balls. To be honest, and I hope this isn't offending our listener, but (laughs) I'm against balls of all kinds. Mm -hmm. Meat, energy, or otherwise. Just kidding. I like meatballs. But the whole, like, ball craze, if you will, of like maybe began four or five years ago of people being like, you know what? You can do just take all this food, squish it up together, roll it into a ball, put it in your pocket, and eat it whenever you need it. And I don't I don't really care for that. And I don't like to yuck anyone's yum, but it's not for me, the ball thing. I don't like it either. And I don't like cake pops, which is Oh no. Another not. ball on a stick, so maybe a sandwich. We don't know. <laughs> is a cake pop a sandwich discussed? <laughs> Well, that is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And 
it establishes uh, what I've felt since I was first born, which is that <laughs> I hate daylight savings time and I still don't understand it. I don't know if we eliminated it, if it would be later or earlier. And I don't oh, want to. Okay, sorry. I forgot. So the whole reason I started looking this up is because they're actually trying to, there's a bill in Senate or Congress or on the vet president's desk. Who the hell knows? Um, I can't remember that. I'm just a Bill cartoon, but um, <laughs> I'm just a Bill sitting on top of Capitol Hill. Right, but he's, I know he's on Capitol Hill, but like from there I'm lost. But so basically <laughs> the bill is saying that we would make daylight savings permanent. But until I did this research, I thought making daylight savings permanent meant that we would keep springing forward and falling back. And so I was like, why the fuck would this be any sort of legislation on the books right now when it like almost all of the world is opposed to switching times. But in fact, the bill is basically set to pass or not pass to make, we could make it permanent. So we could permanently spring forward for the rest of our lives. So we would just keep springing forward and forward and never falling back. No, you don't. You set the time ahead. Like you did last weekend or whatever. And you don't touch your clock ever again, unless the power goes out. You just spring forward one time and then we're done with it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. How interesting. Huh. So then you get you get to have that hour of daylight in the winter that you don't have. The sun will set at five in the winter instead of at four, depending on what Yes, why don't we do that? Why do we need the sun to set at four to make people more depressed in the wintertime? It makes no sense. Yes, but if you do that, then it is... The sun sets later so that the children will be getting on the school bus in the dark is basically what the issue is. But I, I don't, don't give a fuck. I'm not having children. So for I me, this is perfect. I don't care when they get on the bus, light or dark, whatever. Put reflective clothing on them and leave me alone. Get them a glow-in-the-dark <laughs> bug shirt and let's fucking do this thing. Okay. So it's, but- yeah, it is possible that Joe Biden could make his only good presidential choice by signing <laughs> this into law that we will have daylight savings time permanently that would be amazing joe do it we, we, did, it, we did it joe, <laughs> <laughs> joe if you do that uh, we, we will send it, you joe. so many we'll send you so many mocha balls joe biden if you fucking do this for us oh my god that's hilarious i think she thought she was talking what nobody knows about that famous clip with kamala harris is that she was actually talking to ex saturday Night live star joe piscopo <laughs> i think she was talking to joe namath <laughs> i can't think of any more famous joes isn't that funny yeah also nobody knows who joe namath is except for me and old people who like football the football namath well i think even less people know who joe piscopo is <laughs> what about joe pesci ah joe pesci of course we did it joe joe pesci's on the other line but like in his home alone costume he has like fucking like iron mark in his head she could have been talking to joseph gordon levitt also (laughs) (laughs) or joe versus the volcano (laughs) or shoeless joe jackson Or Joni Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Or Jojo of Casey and Jojo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Or Jody Sweden from Full House. Okay, let's take a break before we get too stupid and our brains pop out of our ears. Okay, come back, please. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. Today, I'm asking business owners to take part in our business membership drive by supporting HRN's mission with a $500 membership. HRN will shine a light on your work and you'll help sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, Your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You'll also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z. 
Thank you for your support. <sighs> and we're back. That was scary. <laughs> we're back and we did it, Joe Queen Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am uh, glad that we did it, Joe to see. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, Joe DiMaggio. Okay. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> folks. I don't know why I choose to talk about the White House so often. One would think, <laughs> I'm obsessed with the White House. One would think that I'm some kind of fucking uh, White House fanboy. And White House enthusiast, Zara Tinkor. <laughs> I've talked about the motherfucking White House and presidents nearly every episode of this podcast. And I am for that, I am even more sorry than uh, we, my, we did it, Joe. <laughs> Piscopo. <laughs> um okay but i'm gonna talk about the white house yet yet again and you're gonna have to just deal with it so today folks i'm gonna be talking to you about the history of everyone's favorite event and the biggest problem facing our nation <laughs> the easter egg the white house easter egg roll controversial <laughs> controversial and and also a sandwich <laughs> wait so they roll i thought they just did an easter egg hunt no dude it's a roll which honestly until moments before we came on the air i was still like not sure what it all really meant much like daylight savings time my topic is also extremely confusing <laughs> and useless awesome <laughs> so i'll tell you a little bit about the easter egg roll i got most of my information from brief history of the white house easter egg roll and an article on history.com by christopher klein star of american pie <laughs> <laughs> not kevin klein his dad <laughs> is kevin klein his dad no oh okay thank god what about calvin klein where does he fit into all of this i don't know i just know that he was in back to the future <laughs> we did it calvin <laughs> <laughs> klein <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay on easter oh no this is going to shock a lot of people but i am not misreading this on easter monday in 1876 apparently these freaks used to celebrate easter on a monday who knows why i'm 1876 not okay so this is a wild time in american history there were no time zones and easter was on a monday <laughs> <laughs> picture it there was lawlessness <laughs> Easter was celebrated on Monday. Nobody knew what time it was. Children were going to school in the dark, but thank God there were no trans women playing professional sports. <laughs> A simpler time. <clears throat> okay. On Easter Monday in 1876, upwards of 10,000 stupid little children with the day off from school marched down the newly completed cast iron dome of the U.S. Capitol toting baskets in a rainbow of color and a rainbow of d colorful dyed eggs 10,000 children 10,000 evil children marching in the dark <laughs> down the capitol where are their parents <clears throat> probably still asleep because they <laughs> daylight <laughs> there was no daylight savings time oh no they were still in bed confused about what time to awaken um so they had come to do a tradition that had apparently started kind of in the early 1800s um, in which young revelers rolled hard-boiled eggs down the hills of Washington, D.C. to see which ones could travel the farthest without breaking. This sounds like the dumbest thing I can imagine. Um, but this is only in Washington, D.C., nowhere else? Apparently, just bored children of, like, socialites and people in the government wearing hmm. powdered wigs. Did they wear powdered wigs during that time? I think maybe not, but Probably I like to not. imagine they were. Yeah, that's fine. There you was definitely curly hair. Sure. And a lot, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of fainting couches. That's where their parents were. They had fainted. <laughs> um, <laughs> all day long, screaming children rolled their eggs and themselves down the grassy embankment on the west side of the Capitol grounds. Apparently, the noise was so loud that no one else could hear anything in the Senate chambers. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. So just the only sounds they could hear while they're trying to do business uh, because it's is Monday the sound of screaming children. And Easter. <laughs> 
I know. It's ridiculous. They're like, we're doing work here. Why are you guys all celebrating Easter on a Monday? Let's move this motherfucker to Sunday. Um, okay. So the business of the country ground to a halt as the congressman exited the building to witness the commotion and even worse to them, the ensuing destruction. The throng of frolicking children wore the grass completely bare. And also they're covered in shards of boiled eggs because they're just rolling down the hill where they just rolled them down. Exactly. There's just egg bits, (coughs) egg yolk, egg white, (coughs) everywhere. Okay. Sorry. I'm also coughing. I think it's a sympathy cough. Um, Okay. So like basically they're already strapped for cash at the time in the Capitol grounds was about to have a big centennial bash that was like three months away. So Congress was like, nah, we're not going to have this fucking bullshit keep going on. We can't afford to fix like these damaged grounds because these kids are fucking rolling eggs all grinding eggs into the grass. <laughs> well, so maybe like, they shouldn't have spent so much money on a pointless Capitol building. You know what I'm saying? That's very fair. So Congress is like, we're passing this law, man. It's called the Turf Protection Law. <laughs> and it's to prove... <laughs> And it's to prevent any portion of the Capitol grounds from being used as playgrounds or otherwise. Rude. I know. So then less than two weeks after uh, Easter, President Ulysses S. Grant and former lover of Abraham Lincoln signed the measure into law on April 29th, 1876. It only took two weeks for it to become a law. For the bill. I'm just a bill. I'm <laughs> sitting on Capitol Hill and I'm getting past because we don't like eggs in the grass. That's how it went in the song. I just remembered it. Yep, that's that sounds right. <laughs> um, so rain washes out the Easter festivities the next year, but when the egg rollers try to like come back in 1878, the po- fucking They're shot police, on site. Ca- <laughs> they all get shot <laughs> and killed by the police. <laughs> <laughs> they shot 10,000 children to death. <laughs> like we said, no eggs, folks. I don't know what you want we us to told do about you, it. They, you, we can't afford to put more grass back here. You must die. <laughs> we couldn't see them. It was still dark out when they arrived. Um, the District of Columbia disappointed children, however. The District of Columbia's disappointed children found a warm welcome on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue where President, your favorite President, Nicole Rutherford B. Hayes, huh. had instructed the guards to like let the kids in the White House backyard. Yeah, I always call him Ruth. Oh, Ruthie? Ruthie yeah. B? Yeah, short for Rutherford B. Hayes. Um, <laughs> okay, so the way this article is written is... I'm sure factually incorrect to make it sound better, but they're basically making it seem like (laughs) these kids were not told they weren't supposed to come because apparently they all showed up. The police were there and were like, fuck you guys. You can't come over here. And they all turn around crying. And then the president's like, come on over here, everyone. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, oh, we got plenty of room back here. I'm Rutherford Rutherford B. Hayes. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so anyway. Yeah, that's what happened. They just like came back in the backyard. They played with old Ruthie and they had a great time. So according to the White House Historical Association, some historians credit First Lady Dolly Madison with first proposing the idea of a public egg roll in 1810. And there are even accounts of egg rolls being staged by Abraham Lincoln and former lover of Ulysses S. Grant and Andrew Johnson. So we don't really know. No one knows, and most importantly, no one really cares. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, but anyway, in 1878, the one by Rutherford B. Hayes is basically like listed as if you're going to be like, when was the first Easter egg roll? As I'm sure you've all probably already Googled at some point or another in your lives. <laughs> <clears throat> you already know it was in 1878 by Rutherford B. Hayes. So yeah, if you're on Jeopardy. Yes, exactly. Um, in the late 1800s, such games as Egg picking, egg ball, toss and catch, and egg croquet were popular Easter Monday activities. <laughs> okay. And Easter egg croquet, where you hit an egg with the mallet. Exactly. And you watch it smash. <laughs> uh, George, I was just saying the other day, I was reminding somebody of that George, my friend and I, when we cooked brunch at Brucey, we would often punch the eggs open into the pan, which is a lot of fun. That and is hurts. Fun. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. We're not sure whether they did that or not. Um, 
So anyway, they would roll hard-boiled eggs across the lawn. That was the highlight of their day. That is the Easter egg roll. So presidents regularly watched from the South Portico, and kids would play toss and catch. They would knock the eggs around to see which one would crack first. Uh, In 1887, President Grover Cleveland personally shook hands with each of the children after the Easter egg hunt, and then... Uh, apparently the East Room was left littered in eggshells, which is really seemingly the biggest problem of this whole thing. The shells and the smells. Also, like, this guy just like, okay, I'm going to shake everyone's hand. There's like 300 sticky-handed children here. I'm going to touch all of them. It was pre-COVID, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, that, well, exactly. He had no idea what was coming. Now, two years later, and I'm going to go ahead and admit something right now. President Benjamin Harrison recruited the United States Marine Board to provide marching and a soundtrack to the event first lady grace coolidge after that brings a raccoon now i don't know who benjamin harrison is i wasn't aware that he was a president and i'm going to admit that right here on the podcast i didn't know that rutherford b hayes was a president oh really i knew rutherford b hayes i don't know benjamin harrison and i know benjamin harrison because he's from indiana also we talked about him on a couple of podcasts ago we (laughs) did benjamin harrison yeah because I don't even know what I was doing the podcast on because as soon as the podcast is over, my memory is erased. But <laughs> um, yeah, the Benjamin Harrison house is here in Indianapolis because he lived there. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, First Lady Edith Roosevelt complains about the odor from broken eggs and the needless destruction of lovely grass. <laughs> and it gets canceled in World War One. It gets canceled again, like, and postponed. And then in World War Two, it gets canceled. And also there's, like, not enough food, so they can't exactly be, like, just wasting eggs. Um, but then, then the White House gets renovated when Truman's president. And then when Dwight D. Eisenhower is president, he revives it after a 12-year hiatus, hiatus in 1953. The same year, Mamie Eisenhower, quote, asks why black children were looking through the gates as the white children rolled eggs inside. And the following year, she insisted that black children be included, which obviously is a great thing. But like, she's just looking and like, why are they not included? It's like, don't you know why? Like, you're the president of of the United States' (laughs) wife. She's like, what are those kids doing over there? (laughs) Yeah, you have no fucking clue. Why not? I mean, I'm glad that she did something about it, but it's still very strange. Um, Yeah. So the Easter Bunny makes its first appearance uh, at the egg roll in 1969 when a member of Pat Nixon's staff donated a, a donned a fleecy white costume. Not cool. Not cool at all. And there are so many pictures of like presidents with the Easter Bunny. I'm sure you guys have seen the one of George W. Bush like deeply embracing an Easter Bunny as though it's his law. It's like in some Brokeback Mountain type of like canoodle. It's really intense, but, um, and then like a lot of, most of the presidents do something weird with the Easter Bunny. Um, five years later, organizers raid the White House kitchen for silverware to stage the first egg rolling races in which children use spoons to push their eggs with a spoon. Okay. So I thought that the egg roll was actually, you carry the egg on a spoon while you run and you can't drop the egg. Um, I feel like that sounds more like an egg run than a roll. I sure. think the rolling is just pushing it along with a spoon. This all sounds very boring to me, and I don't so like they, spring or Easter. They went and got the silver out from the White House and used it to push eggs around. Yeah, Jimmy Carter's like, go ahead, ma, mother, go get that uh, all the spoons out of the kitchen. Poor Jimmy Carter. Is he the only nice president in history? He's not. I mean, there are no good presidents. I mean, I agreed, but I just look at that poor Jimmy Carter face, that poor little peanut farmer. <laughs> just think of him as like he accidentally ended up as president. I think he was um, a successful peanut farmer, so pretty rich. That's true. He's a rich peanut mogul. Um, okay, so anyway, he adds a three-ring circus and a 1,200-pound steer named Big Red We for unclear reasons. <laughs> it's, probably <laughs> from, it's probably from his farm. <laughs> from his peanut farm. A steer... That lives solely on a diet of boiled peanuts. Four years later, Ronald Reagan and First Lady Nancy Reagan add a Broadway show performance and balloons from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade to the whole extravaganza. Okay, hold on. The (coughs) super humongous balloons from the Macy's Day Parade were 
trucked over to Washington DC for Easter Monday. <laughs> yeah, they just like spray them with like pastel colors and they're like, isn't that <laughs> I'm sorry, isn't that the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? <laughs> it's like, no, that's the Easter Bunny. Um the Reagans also staged a hunt for wooden eggs that were autographed by Hollywood stars, famous politicians, and sporting greats. Like Joe, Joe Montana. Di- Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Namath. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the entire time, they're still not admitting that AIDS is real. <laughs> uh, that's true. We did it, Joe. Stalin. <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, subsequently, not admitting that AIDS exists. Um, Okay, so then I took this headline from an article in the year 2000 and motherfucking six from the New York Times, an article written by Elizabeth Bumler entitled The Egg Roll Again Apostrophe Becomes a Stage for Controversy. (laughs) This is also the same year that Indiana decided to get rid of not having daylight savings time, just as a reminder. This is a big year. (laughs) Washington. It it had to happen. Washington's culture wars have now reached the Easter Bunny. Some (laughs) 200 gay families are planning to attend the annual White House Easter egg roll next Monday to showcase themselves to the nation and President Bush. But some religious conservatives say the families are, quote, crashing the public event and exploiting children for political ends. Okay. She's saying that the gay couples are coming to showcase themselves? Correct. To show... The egg roll, again, becomes a stage for controversy. Because they're like, they're like, look, gay people can have happy families who like to smash eggs? Exactly. They're like, we also want to get covered up in hard-boiled egg bits and go home smelling like shit. (laughs) (laughs) But like... (laughs) But, like, it's just the fact that, like, people, to me, it's just interesting. People, like, constantly are, like, liberals are like, oh, the New York Times. It's, it's like, the mecca of, like, you know, leftism and inclusivity. Like, this is just 15 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> Written your beloved New York Times about how it had to happen again. Washington's culture wars have now reached the Easter Bunny. Like, making fun of, like, gay fam- essentially making fun of gay families because they want to come to the freaking Easter egg roll with their children and they haven't been allowed to. Are they not allowed to go? I mean, I don't know that they weren't allowed to, but I'm sure it wasn't, like, it was not embraced. Sure. Well, God. The White House sucks. And this is why I love the Wade House so much and can't stop talking about it. So here's a couple of stupid facts. More than 35,000 tickets are distributed each year by a public lottery. 35,000 people go to this thing? Yes, dude. Imagine the aroma. I can't even picture 35,000 people anywhere. Do you you know the (laughs) amount of chicken? I know, it's crazy. How many people fit into Market Square Arena? I don't know where that is. Market Square Arena? Yeah, is that in Indiana? Market Square Arena is in New York. Market Square Arena is in New York? Yeah. Are you talking about Madison Square Garden? Yeah, whatever. Oh, those are different things. (laughs) Those are different places. Maybe Market Square (laughs) Arena was in Indianapolis. It's not there anymore. (laughs) Okay, great. Madison Square Garden, I have no idea how many people fit in there. Probably about 35,000. No, more than that. Okay, well, I don't, I said I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Market Square Arena is in Indianapolis, but you can only put 16,000 people in there. Not enough to go to the egg roll. <laughs> oh, we've got to get like two and a quarter of those. Then we got an egg roll going. Um, so 2016's event featured a musical performance by India Menzel, cooking demonstrations by celebrity chefs, sports clinics, a yoga garden, and the first ever White House fun run. Now, this part... This last part really gave me a chuckle. There were bands performing on different stages. Ariana Grande and Jim Carrey were there. And there <laughs> even was a reading circle with President Obama. How many people were there at the reading circle? 35,000. It was the world's Earth's largest circle. Well, I hope you had a microphone because I don't know how they could have heard him in the back at Market Square <laughs> Arena in Indianapolis, <laughs> which was demolished like 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that is my story, friends. That's good. We did it, Joey Lawrence. <laughs> we did it, Joe Rogan. <laughs> uh, we did it, Joe Cocker. <laughs> we did it, Joey Ramon. 
<laughs> we did it, Trader Joe's. <laughs> we did it, Joey Batafuco. Okay, that's it. <clears throat> Nicole, should we talk about some of our favorite things about our top three favorite things about spring? Um, sure. You have to go first, though. Okay. Now, folks, I believe I've said this on the podcast before many times because I feel strongly about it. I don't really care for spring. Uh, it's just not my favorite season. It, I don't. It, there's a combination of reasons why I don't like dressing in the morning one way and then becoming extremely hot in the middle of the day and then freezing cold later at night. I don't really like love the colors. I get allergies. <laughs> Bunnies are cute, but they also shit everywhere. So. Anyway, there are some things I like about spring. I like peas and asparagus. Sure. And spinach and morel mushrooms. I like Reese's eggs. Me too. And I like lilacs. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Lilacs are nice. They're beautiful. Yeah. They smell wonderful. Um, well, I like spring rolls. Ugh, Delicious. Uh, I also like summer rolls, but we'll have to talk about those at a later date. Mm, summer rolls also very good. Um, I like spring, like springing into action. I'm mm-hmm. Really, really into that. You know, I um, of course everybody knows that about you. Yeah, really like you know just like spring. I don't want to spring forward <laughs> pretty late saving time, but I just want to spring into action. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> And, um, yeah, like, um, I guess pogo sticks are cool. Like the springy thing that you, they involve springs. So pogo sticks are great. They're da- they're dangerous for your genitals. Oh, did you say hot springs? Yeah. Hot springs are good. That's great. That's a good spring. And Poland spring water. I'm, I'm okay with that bottled water brand. I'm into it. They're probably, you know, raping the earth, but it's fine. <laughs> yes. But in a good way. Um, and also hope springs eternal. Am I right? Everyone? (laughs) Yeah, you are totally right. (laughs) We did it. Joe D Foster. (laughs) Um, guys, what an episode. Am I right? Is everybody ready to just go out there and catch a baby bird and make it their bitch? Uh, yeah. And then you can be like, (laughs) we did it. Joey Lawrence. (laughs) Dude. That's the funniest thing that ever happened. <laughs> Guys, did you have a good time today on the show? As good of a time as Nicole and I did? I hope that you did because we can't hear your response. So please don't answer back. But if you did already, <laughs> it's fine. We won't tell anyone. Okay. And let's everybody wish that Armin, our producer, he confided in us uh, secretly that he has a cold. He doesn't think it's COVID, but he still has a cold nevertheless. So let's all send him our best wishes and if you want to send him some chicken soup, his home address is. Or if you want to send him. Dorian's right hand. <laughs> if you want to send him newborn chicks, which is the symbol of spring, according to movies. Oh, yeah. Send him a pile of chicks. <laughs> if you want to send this strange man a box of little baby itsy bitsy fuzzy chickens, just send it to your favorite bar, Dorian's Red Hand. And uh, they'll bring it on up to him. Okay, thank you very much. Hasta la pasta. Bye-bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>